0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the My Thing Is This podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. And each week, we talk about what's going on in the world. And as we talk about that, I let you know My Thing Is This, about what's going on in the world. Again, I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Welcome to the My Thing Is This podcast. Stay tuned, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Hey, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, happy Sunday. This is the first Sunday, January 2nd, 2022 first Sunday of the year. Um, Hope you enjoyed my year in review podcast that I did um, over the weekend, kind of summarizing what's going on in 2021. Some of it, you know, was covered. Some things that happened last week. Well, there's a few things I wanted to talk about this week. Um... It's the first Sunday, and of course, you know, Sunday means football, (laughs) and I'm going to start this podcast off talking about football in particular. There was a game played today between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, and the New York Jets, and for a minute, it looked like Tampa Bay was going to take that L from the Jets until the GOAT, Tom Terrific brought him back with a late touchdown to win the game and the Buccaneers went on to win the game. But there was something interesting that happened about halfway through that game. And the broadcast covering, I think it was CBS broadcast that was covering it, Um, showed, I guess, the aftermath of what happened on the Bucs' sideline during the game. And what they showed was Antonio Brown basically taking off uh, his his undershirt, his black undershirt, and his gloves, throwing them in the stands, and then running down the sideline and toward the end zone, giving a peace sign to the fans at the Jet stadium and heading into the locker room. Um, not a lot of details was given during the broadcast um, that happened, other than they show clips of Mike Mike um, Mike Evans trying to calm him down as he was taking his equipment off. And then, of course, after the game, that was the hot topic, and Bruce head coach Bruce Arians touched on it and for a minute and basically said that, well, we're not going to talk about that. You know, Antonio Brown's no longer a Buccaneer. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the guys that, you know, were out there fighting their guts off and help us win this game, which is understandable. And then, of course, you know, the GOAT, Tom Terrific, gave his presser on it, which he seemed to be very uncomfortable doing, um, but basically saying that, you know, they still love him, that, you know, you know, we need to support him and show compassion towards Antonio Brown and whatnot and so on and so forth. So, you know, there's always, as we know in the world, there's always three sides to every story. There's Antonio Brown side, there's Bruce Aaron and the Bucks side, and then there's the truth. And typically the truth lies somewhere in the middle or the truth is the absolute truth. And as the story began to, to, to gain traction after the game, I started perusing the, the interwebs to see what was going on. And I remember seeing a post on Instagram in the comment section. Somebody made the comment that said he got benched because the Bucks didn't want to pay him a roster bonus or incentives or something. I think it was a roster bonus that they said, right? So I did some more digging on the interwebs, went to the internet, and there's a page called BucksWire that's a part of usatoday.com's website. And in the BucksWire, there was an article talking, going in a little bit more detail about what was being said. And of course, you know, on the Fox broadcast, when they were talking about the OT, they had Michael Strahan, um, Kirk Menefee, Terry Bradshaw, and um, Jay Glazer on. And Jay Glazer reported that he got a message, a word from Bruce Arians that he had asked Antonio Brown to go back into the game several times, and twice after he refused to go back into the game, he told him to get out. And apparently that's what led to him taking off his Equipment and heading to the locker room. Well, let me circle back to buckswire.usatoday.com. In one of the articles in there, it was reported that there was a TV host or the game host or game announcer, I think his name is TJ Rees or something like that, had reported that. Antonio Brown had been benched before he took his equipment off and had an outburst, right? Which we don't know the reason why he was benched. Now, as I dig a little bit deeper, right? And of course, you know, the interwebs is full of information and SportsTrack sent out a tweet. SportsTrack is the website that tracks athletes' contracts and money and stuff like that. And according to Sports Track. Antonio Brown was, I think he was eight catches away from receiving a $300,000, $333,000 incentive. Um, incentive, um, it was an incentive, it was eight catches to unlock a $333,333 $333, 333 bonus he also needed 55 receiving yards to unlock another 333 thousand dollar bonus, and he also needed one touchdown, one receiving touchdown, to unlock another 333 thousand dollar bonus. And of course, you know this is Sports Track tweeting this, and they said this was a costly outburst. But I think that it's plausible because teams have done this in the past. And you've heard of sports teams in different sports in NFL and in the NBA and other sports where certain players have certain bonuses and incentives that if they've reached, they get paid. And some teams have either waived them before they kick in, they've cut them before they kick in, or they benched them or made them inactive for whatever reason so that they wouldn't achieve those bonuses and things of that nature, right? So... With that out there being said, it's like, hmm, it makes you go, hmm. And then in the same article on Bucks Wire, it was reported that Bruce Arians also told the media that Antonio Brown was on a snap count due to his ankle injury he suffered and his limited amount of practice time that they had during the week. So during the game, he's supposedly on a snap count. So, my question is this. If Antonio Brown is on a snap count, why are you telling him to go into the game? If Antonio Brown is eight catches, 55 yards, and one touchdown away from receiving a bonus for each, now the Bucs at that time was down 24 to 17, I think they were, when the outburst happened. So he could have very well had gotten caught the touchdown to tie the game up at 24, he probably could have got the 55 yards and he could have got at least half of the eight catches. I think they still got one more game to play. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they may have one more game to play, which could have definitely gotten him the bonuses, right? Or unless that was the last game that I'm not sure of, but it's just kind of odd. And then, of course, he's not saying too much himself. A lot of players are like, well, we don't know what really happened. Um, like Gronk has said, he wasn't he wasn't focused on that. A couple wide receivers saying he wasn't focused on that. But the one wide receiver we're not hearing from is Mike Evans. Mike Evans was the one that was over there trying to talk to Antonio Brown to get him not to take his uniform off. I wonder what Mike Evans has to say. But I just kind of find it odd that Arians is saying he's on a snap count in one breath and then saying, well, he tried to get him to go back into the game twice and finally told him if he didn't want to go back in the game to get out of here. That's when supposedly Brown took off. But according to the Bucks TV host or radio host, Brown was benched by Arians before that outburst happened. So this is where this thing gets tricky. Now I no 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 granted, I know Antonio Brown has his issues. He's got documented history of issues these are the things that are going on. He's got a checkered past, this, that, and the other, right? And I understand that, I understand that. And I think, you know, based on what's being reported to us, that he should, you know, he should seek some sort of help if any of this stuff is true that's being reported, but you gotta be kinda skeptical these days when stuff comes out, and I've, I've told friends already, I said, you know, we gotta make sure all this stuff is shaken out first. You know, I got a friend who just ran sent me a text running down, running down all the stuff that he's been involved in, going back to the last three years, including being deactivated um, by the Steelers, um, parting ways with the Steelers, being traded to Oakland, um, his frostbite injury, missed training camp, his release from the Raiders. Right, his deal with the Patriots, um, the ex-trainer tra- ex lady accusing him of sexual assault, charged with felony burglary and stuff like that, something to do with a moving truck. So he's got a long list of things that he's been suspended for. And the last one was you know violating the COVID protocols um, by obtaining a fake, I guess, vaccine card, right? And that suspension is I think is warranted because you you mess with federal documents and faking something like that is bad. But here's where I, I think sports and NFL in particular is hypocritical. Right? Now he got three games for that. And Rogers said, I've been vax, I've I've been vaxxed, I've been immunized. He didn't even say vaxxed, he said, I've been immunized. And then come to find out he's not. And he was exposing himself unmasked to everybody. Right. To 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 his teammates after the game. I mean, you know, he wasn't wearing a mask. You see people like Kirk Cousins, when they go to the sideline, they got a mask on. Aaron Rodgers wasn't doing any of that. And Aaron Rodgers got nothing for that. He should have at least got one game for lying and saying he was immunized when he wasn't. Now, what Antonio Brown and a couple other players did by faking the vaccine card, it warranted, you know, five through the three games that he got. I'm surprised he didn't get more. For that, but Aaron Rodgers should have been at least given a game for telling people he's been immunized, and the Packers organization should be held accountable for allowing him to say he's immunized, right, and not really proven with being immunized, and allowing him to play and allowing him to be around the facilities and be around people without mask on. So those are the hypocritical things. But I still say, but going back to AB. Dude got a lot of stuff with him. He's a generational talent. He's definitely got Hall of Fame numbers. He's got twelve thousand yards, nine hundred something catches. So he's definitely a Hall of Famer. And like I was telling a friend today, I don't I, because the Hall of Famers, the Hall of Fame committee, is not made up of. I don't think it's an equal of fifty fifty-fifty voting committee of players, player and coaches, or former player and coaches and writers. And that these writers hold a lot of people's fate in their hands. Like, for instance, you know, I'm gonna give a plug and a shout out to um, a DC favorite, a, 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 a Washington football team favorite, which is Brian Mitchell. Brian Mitchell is second in all purpose yards behind the GOAT, Jerry, Jerry Rice, and hasn't even had a sniff towards the Hall of Fame, which to me, what is your criteria? Brian Mitchell's never been in trouble. Brian Mitchell was able to amass those yards the bulk i said 85% of those yards here those 19,000 yards here mass were returning kicks and punts now devin hester is a little bit more flashy with the with, with the touchdowns but devin hester doesn't have the numbers and the longevity and consistency to do that you know catching a punt is 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 almost like you know russian roulette cuz you're focused on catching that ball while you got guys running 19 to 20 miles an hour full speed down the, down the field trying to knock you out. And to be able to do that as long as Brian Mitchell did it and score touchdowns and, and match the yards that he did is, is is incredible. And then, you know, you got the kickoff as well. So I think, you know, that should be considered. But AB is definitely a Hall of Famer. But I don't think AB is going to get in after this because people are finicky. People hold grudges. People say and do certain things. And if T.O. was not a first ballot Hall of Famer then I know A.B. ain't going to sniff it for a minute, especially after this last thing. But I still say we need to give this time. Let's give this time to play itself out and all the facts to really come out to. Let's let's wait to see what Antonio Brown really has to say. And so, and, and supposedly, Le'Veon Bell, who was a former teammate and one of his boys when he was at Pittsburgh, texted him after the game and, and AB texts back and they actually talk. But Le'Veon Bell is not saying specifically what they're talking about. Because I'm sure that the, well, they, they call them SIDs in college. Um, this is, uh, I forgot what it's called, information something. um, But the publicists or the team's press people have probably walked into that locker room after the game or gotten word to the players and the coaches after that game that this is what you're going to say about Antonio Brown situation. This is what you're not going to say. I'm pretty sure they got to him. You know, I'm pretty sure they were instructed to give standard answers. We don't know what happened. We don't know what's going on because Mike Evans was trying to talk to him. And I'm pretty sure he was telling Mike Evans why he was doing what he was doing. So I'm curious to know, what does Mike Evans have to say about this? What 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 did he say to Mike Evans and what was that conversation like? Yes, Antonio Brown has had his troubles, but when you start throwing in stuff like incentives and bonuses and stuff like that, and then Bruce Arian saying in one breath, he was on a snap count, and in the next breath he's saying, you know, uh, he told him to go back into a game, and he didn't, that's kind of fishy to me. So, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do in 2022... And my thing is this is let's get all the facts. Let all the facts shake themselves out first before we really jump on and start commenting. Other than like in this in this instance, I did jump on and comment, and say, hey, just pray for the brother, and that's pretty much it. But that's about all the opinion that I really gave about any of this because I want to see what the facts shake out. Because when the Bucks wire is porting, reporting that he was benched before that outburst. Then I can see where that outburst is plausible because he got benched. And then Bruce Arians comes back and tells Jay Glazer he told him to go in twice and he refused to. Now, I don't know if there's a situation where when he told him to go in twice and then, and he refused to, and Arians turned around and said, Now you're benched. I don't know what that timeline is like. And that's the mystery right now. And that's the $800,000 question that we have right now going into this is, well, what exactly was said? And what's the timeline of things? Because if this guy is a a touchdown away from making 330K, is eight catches away from making 330K, and 55 yards away from making 330K, your team is down 24-17. They were down most of the game. And this would be the time where you asking Tom Brady, throw me the rock, bro. I need to get a touchdown. Throw me the rock. Cha-ching! I need eight catches. Cha-ching! I need fifty-five yards. Hit me on a slant. I can take it to the house. Cha-ching! 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 He could have met all the centers in this one game. And again, I don't know. I don't know what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule is for the rest of the season, whether or not this is the last game or not. And if it is, then that's another factor in in this. You know, into. You know um, this outburst that he had. That's another factor, because if this is the last game of the season, and you're in the second half, third quarter, you're not going to get you're, not, you're you're not going to get um, you're not going to get those numbers. You're not going to get those three hundred thirty thousand dollar bonuses. It's just not going to happen. So I'm looking... Okay, so the so the Buccaneers got one last game, and it's against the Carolina Panthers next Sunday. Um, so that could have been a situation where he could have gotten those incentives. Then I think next week is the final weekend before the playoffs start. Um, and he could have probably gotten them. But I, like I said, I don't know what was said on the sideline and what led to that and what the timeline of events are because he's not really saying anything too much other than going on Instagram and saying to... You know, saying thank you for the opportunity, that's about it. But it still, it just seems it, it just seems fishy to me. It just all seems fishy. And, and again, I've heard of teams, professional sports teams, doing things like shutting people down or cutting people's minutes so they don't have to worry about paying bonuses and stuff like that and so on and so forth. I mean, instead of it getting even to this point, when he faked the vaccine card, you should have let him go then. There should have been no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When he faked the vaccine card, you should have cut him loose then. Then we wouldn't even have gotten to this point. You should have said, you faked the vaccine, you got suspended for three games, we're going to sit you down for the rest of the season, and you would never see this outburst. It would never be an issue, but you brought him back. You brought him back because Godwin tore his ACL, and you got a couple other injuries going on, so you brought him back because you needed him. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, again... I think I don't think this is clear cut all Antonio Brown. Just like I don't think this is clear cut all bucks. I think there's some truth somewhere in the middle. And that's where we need to find out where that truth is. And I'm pretty sure both sides of this 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 thing that happened today will will show some culpability in it. Um in some sort of way. Um but I'm just, you know, I guess me my thing is this, I'm a little bit more pro athlete than I am pro media. Um, because these guys and girls, they put up they they do a lot. They put up with a lot. And, you know, these 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 teams in the media are conglomerates and they can shape the message that they want to present in a way in which it can make athletes look very bad. When in fact the athletes aren't looking very bad. And that could be the case with Antonio Brown. It could very well not be the case with Antonio Brown. This could, this could be a hundred percent on him. But, if it is a hundred percent on him, then let it come out. If it's not, then let that come out too. Don't try to shape shift and shape shift narratives to make it seem as though you're not it's all on him when it's not really all on him, if that's the case and whatnot and so i I think that's where we are with that and so that's where I digress and you know <laughs> turn turn my attentions elsewhere, obviously. Um, transitioning, but my but let me, before I, say, before I transition, let me say this. My thing is this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers knew what they were getting with Antonio Brown, and I liken this to, and I was telling a friend about this today, and this is the final thing I'll say about that. Right? For those out there old enough to remember, the Chicago Bulls in their heyday, in the 90s, when they were winning championships, um, doing multiple 3 piece. The second piece they were about to embark on, they acquired Dennis Rodman through a trade Youngins, I have to say that to the young folks because every time these young folks want to argue about super teams, they always make it seem like the Bulls and the Celtics of the old and the Lakers of old and all those teams way before even up to the Celtics, the KG Celtics, they seem to think everybody did what LeBron did when they said, when LeBron said, I'm choosing to take my talents to South Beach. Those teams, LeBron was the first one to do that. Now teams before that did it through trades. You know? Um KG, Ray Allen were trades that went to Boston. They were all trades that went to Boston. As a matter of fact, you know, when Boston got Ray Allen, they gave up a lot to get Ray Allen. They gave up a lot to get KG. And so they went on to win. You know, go go back to um, the Lakers before that. You know, Kobe was a draft pick. Shaq was already there. They was able, and then later on, they was able to acquire Paul Gasol, I think, via trade or something like that. And then go back to the Bulls. Rodman was traded for traded to Chicago for Will Perdue. Will Perdue was traded to San Antonio for Dennis Rodman. And you know the rest of the history of the teams. All you got to do is just do a little research. So, not stop with this narrative that everybody had a super team and they were put together the way LeBron put together the heat, and that's not true. Um, But I digress. And getting back to what I was talking about, (laughs) um, you knew what you were getting with Antonio Brown. You knew what you were getting with him and you took that chance, and again, you just have to remember that, like it or not, you took that chance, and you got him. You got a guy that had a reputation, and so I was telling a friend today about reputation, and going back to the Bulls and Dennis Rhyman. Dennis Rhyman had a reputation, some people called him dirty, some people called him a troublemaker on the court, whatever, whatever. And it got so bad that referees in the NBA would call stuff on Dennis that wasn't even really there because they thought he would do it or assumed that he would do it, right? And, and I liken this A-B situation to, to to Dennis a little bit in what I'm about to say, so hear me out on this. So Dennis established himself as a, reg- uh, he was a part of the original Bad Boys. He kind of played that, he kind of rode that, that 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 line inside that 94 feet square. He kind of rode it real close, especially with the rules. He was known to be an antagonist. He was known to be sometimes a little dirty or whatever the case may be. And there were times where Dennis would never get the benefit of the doubt. And then there were times where you could see Dennis was clearly innocent, right? And you could clearly see he was innocent, but he still never got the benefit of the doubt. And I say that to say this. What we saw on TV today on that sideline, it's a small clip. What we heard in the narrative afterwards, by from the Bucks, from Bruce Arians, and whatnot, is a small clip. And I'm not an Antonio Brown apologist, but at the same time, people, I give people the benefit of the doubt to a degree that you despite all these things, and I like it in chicken little, I guess a little bit too, despite these things in your past, when something truly really happens to you, that it's not really you or your fault, and you say something about it, it's it, it's, it's it's logical that it could be true. It's logical that it could be true. Now, AB hasn't spoken yet, but I'm just saying, keep an open mind that what we saw today on TV and the narrative has come out afterwards from the media, especially ESPN, right? The narrative has come out. Just be careful in what you decide and how you think about what you saw today and the narrative is being presented to you. All right, okay? And the comments that you're seeing on social media. You know, that's one of the big, I'm reading a book now, um, that talks about the four villains that we suffer with now, digital digital distraction, digital deluge, digital dementia, and digital deduction. And what digital deduction is, is us using technology to a degree and everything centered around technology to reduce our ability or make us lazy with our critical thinking. So we would go to Instagram or we go to Twitter and we see everybody's comments. Everybody's got a comment. Everybody, my thing is this, right? And instead of really, really taking the information in and soaking all the information in and forming our natural opinion, we do psychology of crowds and go with what the crowd is really saying a lot of times. And we stunt our critical thinking skills by doing that. So we need to keep in mind, again, That what we saw today on the sideline and what we're hearing from the media and how that's shaped and shifted, we got to be mindful to use our own critical thinking and do our own research before we form an opinion. Um, A lot of times, sometimes not having an opinion at all is probably the best way to go. But we need to make sure we're careful in how we go about doing those things and what we see and, and how things are being presented to us before we develop our own opinions and our critical thinking. Okay? So transitioning to that and staying on football, John Madden passed this week. For many of you young folks, you know John Madden. All you know John Madden for is Madden football game. Well, John Madden was at one short, brief amount of time in the 70s, the coach of the Oakland Raiders, the Raiders, the bad boys of football at the time. These dudes was like, they were like the bad boys, Detroit Pistons on steroids, but in football. And he was the leader of that team. I think they won a Super Bowl um while he was coached there. I think they won one Super Bowl while he was coach there. And uh, he had just had this presence about him and he instilled this thing within those dudes. I mean, the Jack Tatums, you know, the Ted Hendrixes, you know, of the world, the Gene Upshaws, the Art Shells, the um, Lester hazes of the world, you know, the Mike Haynes of the world. I mean, these were a lot of these guys were Madden guys, right? Toughest there's Lyle L. Zato, you know, those guys were Madden guys, and John Madden, you know, his true claim to fame came when. EA Sports got with him and created Madden Football they started using all his you know he started covering games um, I think what think it was with Pat Summerall I think was his um, co-host on a lot of the Fox games like Pat Summerall and he would just cover these games and he would really dig into the analysis he would come up with these quirky things like boom did you feel that you know all these little quirky sayings and you know that Madden franchise has become a franchise you know where every year they put out a new Madden game with enhancements and all these other things going on, and he was that guy, and he passed this past week. Um, Just all of a sudden, I think they said it was. He was 85 years old, and um, he was the architect of the Madden football game. Um, And so that's where we have it with John Madden. We also had Desmond, you know, Archbishop Desmond Tutu passed this week. Betty White passed on New Year's Eve. She was some days or some weeks away from turning 100. Um, and Betty White's claimed to fame as the Golden Girls and being on TV and things like that. But what people don't know is Betty White had her own show. It only lasted for one season. Why? Because Betty White decided to put a brother on her show. I think it was a tap dancer. And they gave her a flack about it and tried to get her to take him off the show when she never did. And that resulted in her when she took that stand to keep that brother on her show. I think it resulted in her only having one season of her show. And so Betty White passed and you know, there's been so many deaths in 2021 that have happened. Um, a lot of deaths are coming from COVID. Um, I didn't talk about this, but, um, Pastor Lamb, who runs Daystar Television, who's famous for Daystar Television, a religious programming, um, passed away from COVID. And according to reports, he was one of those pastors that were anti-vax and believed that people should just trust in God completely to keep them safe from COVID. And he ended up catching COVID. Ended up, Marcus Lamb is his name, and he ended up catching COVID and actually and eventually passing away from COVID. And so, this past week, we've also seen a spike in the Omicron um, infections of COVID. Um, Hospitals are now really stressed out because of the amount of people showing up. A lot of people are reporting, you know, no symptoms. A lot of people are reporting headaches, nausea, chills, fever, vomiting. Um, Some people are actually going to the hospital. And that's where, you know, people are getting... The hospital is getting overwhelmed again. The deaths aren't as high as they were, but they're still happening from COVID. Um, Deaths are still occurring from COVID. But with that being said, I came across an interesting article. And a little do people know, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management um, agency, actually has a fund that they give away for people for that for to the to the families of people who die for from covet to offset funeral costs. Interesting. Since FEMA wants to give families up to nine thousand dollars for COVID funerals, but not many but many don't apply. And so it goes on to talk about this one particular case, you know, where, you know, um this lady's son-in-law died after catching COVID, right? And the funeral bill came to about two thousand dollars, right? And her daughter actually applied, submitted an application to FEMA, and received a deposit by June, and she was able to reimburse her mother about $1, nineteen hundred and seventy-four dollars of the two thousand dollars. Right? She said, had this not been available, we've been paying that money ourselves. And so, you know, that helped um, folks offset funeral costs for COVID. It says, as of December 6th, about 226,000 people had shared in the nearly $1.5 billion that FEMA has spent on funeral costs that occurred during January 20th, 2020, the date of the first confirmed case of COVID um, in the US. And so FEMA actually has a fund for COVID to help offset cost of um, burying your loved ones who die from COVID. And a lot of people don't know about that and should contact FEMA, go to their website and um, apply. You know, the percentage of individuals have been reimbursed very dramatically from state to state. Nearly 40% in North Carolina and Maryland to fewer than 15% in Idaho and Oregon, according to state-by-state data compiled by FEMA. So those are the percentage of people that have been reimbursed reimbursed, um, from state to state. Uh, It says, while reimbursement must go directly to the individuals, some funeral directors have taken on the task of informing grieving families of the benefit. And so some funeral directors are knowing about this benefit and they're actually informing their families that there's this benefit out there where you can get up to $9,000 to pay for funeral costs for your loved one. It says, many families are still unaware of the benefit, but others may opt against seeking a cash out or reluctance to revisit the pain of the deaf. Um, A person that was quoted was saying... Um, Wow, it said the largest states account for some of the biggest shares of the FEMA reimbursement money. It said the program has paid out more than 21,000 reimbursements in California and Texas, which have both reported more than seven hundred seventy-four thousand COVID-19 deaths. Residents apply for more than $141 million from each state. So that's about $282 million of that 1.5 billion have been paid to Texas and California. Because they're bigger states. It says fewer, fewer number of reimbursements have occurred in Vermont, where 123 people were awarded about $704,000. It says expenses covered under the FEMA program include funeral services, cremation, and internment, as well as the cost for caskets or urns, burial plots or cremation niches, cre- cremation niches uh, markers or headstones, transportation or transfer remains, clergy or officiant services, and the use of funeral home equipment for staff. So it pretty much, this, this money that you can apply for pretty much covers everything related to your funeral. Wow. Okay. It says the program has been funded using federal stimulus funds and money remains available. No online applications are allowed. Right? So, I guess you got to send in hard copies of the document. It says after all required documents are received and verified, it takes fewer than 30 days to determine if an individual is eligible, according to FEMA. Once eligibility is confirmed, applicants who request direct deposit may receive the money in a matter of days. It may take longer for applicants who request a check. Wow. Okay. It says the reimbursement is one way of helping ease the emotional and financial burden that the pandemic has wreaked on wreck, wreaked on communities across the country according to Ellen Wynn McBear president of Jones Wynn Funeral Homes and Crematory in Villa Rica I think Villa Rica is in California okay so there is, a COVID, there is a COVID funeral fund out there wow I didn't know that you, know, you learn something new every day um And that was an article I came across um, that you come across every day. Uh, And speaking of deaths and funerals, uh, Max Julian, um, star of the 70s exploitation, black exploitation movie, the Mac, passed away at age 88. So, yeah. So Max Julian passed away. He was one of the black exploitation actors back in the day. Um black and that black exploitation, black exploitation film era. Um, wow. The cause of death hasn't been reported. Um, so yeah, he was born in DC in nineteen thirty-three. Um <laughs> Julian took on his career in Rose Goldie a smooth talker ex-con and pimp in the Mac more than four decades ago the character has become uh, so, has become so iconic along with other black poststation legends such as Dolomite Superfly remains part of American pop culture wow yeah I remember he was in yeah he was in How to Be a Player Bill Bellamy's film remember that b- film Bill Bellamy put out How to Be a Player he was in that. He he played um, he played Uncle Fred, you know, in How to Be a Player. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Max Julian had a long career. I mean, he's one of the OGs in the film industry. Okay, all right, okay, wow, okay, all right, and so Atlanta in Georgia. Right down in Georgia, they are start. They're gonna go virtual because of the spike. They're gonna go virtual because of the spike in COVID. They decided to start. Two, it says uh, one of Georgia's largest school districts has decided to start 2022 classes virtually because of the high number of COVID cases. Atlantic Atlanta Public Schools announced that it would start. Classes back after the winter break on Tuesday, virtually. Okay. Atlanta schools joins Fulton County, DeKalb County, Clayton County, and Rockdale County schools in a virtual return after Christmas. It says Georgia's two largest school districts, Gwinnett County and Cobb County, have not announced any changes to returning to school in person as of Saturday. Wow, I think they should all go back, man, to, to virtual, at least for now. You know, I share my views on education, my um, educational system. And I think it needs to be overhauled. But I mean, I think this, this 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 COVID has really exposed the challenges that we have with educating our children. You know, oftentimes we as cookie cutter, we teach to test, you know, we don't teach to um, we don't teach kids how to learn. Um we teach more to test to get federal funding. And um you know, we need to revamp the education system. Um because it's uh it's crazy. And so New York City, um, on the first got a new mayor, Eric Adams. He was sworn in after the ball dropped. He was sworn in at, I think, 1201 midnight on January the first. Um, he's African American, but he's not the first African American mayor of New York City. That, you know, I think that belongs to the honorable mayor David Dinkins. I think David Dinkins was the first African American mayor of New York City. And then, of course, you know, on a legal perspective, we had the situation where this Louise and a Louisiana judge actually resigned after video surfaced or audio surfaced of her dropping in bird um, multiple times on video. And so, you know, this judge, um, Lafayette County Court Judge Michelle Odinette resigned after this video surfaced. Um, and of course, a lot of people are calling for all of her cases to be reopened. And so when, you know, when you have situations like that, where you have judges or people in those type of positions acting unscrupulously or has come to find out whether they're racist or sexist or homophobic in their comments, you have to go back and review the cases of those groups that they are making discouraging remarks about. You know, in this case, you know, she's making discouraging remarks about African Americans. And you have to go back and Look at her cases. I I say they go back and look at all of them to see if in her decisions or her her um, in her cases that she was swayed by that, you know, that she was, you know, um, what's we're looking for that that factored in that race factored in. Just like you know, if you have a judge caught on tape, you know, being crazy or overly misogynistic, right? You want to go back and look at the cases in which he was a judge cases involving women you know i think it's only fair you know that 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 happens that you know you have to call on them to a call and 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 do some recall to find out if you know um that factored into the decision making i think you know that's just my you know my honest opinion um that you need to go back and review that if there's anything that comes out that it seems to be you know not only up and up so to speak um you have to go back and take a look at it so you know but anyway um like I said I did the review I covered a lot um didn't go into a lot of detail this week um Cause you know it was the holiday season and a, and a lot happened. I know we, I know one of the things that I want to talk about is that we got to make sure that we stop, you know, this senseless killing, you know, um, especially in the African American community. This senseless killing that's going on—I mean, killing—period needs to stop. Um, this period, you know, people have taken to the gun, and there used to be a saying growing up you know, whenever people had beef with each other, used to use a saying called knuckle up and guard your grill. You know, back in the day, you know, disputes or beefs with people were settled, you know, with the fists, you know. It wasn't people just gunning people down. I saw a crazy video on social media the other day uh, where it was an um, African American young lady that was going off, and she took a bottle and smashed it against somebody's car. I don't know if she smashed it against the car to try to break the window or to use the bottle or the end of the handle of the bottle as a weapon. And you can see there was a, a brother trying to calm her down and try to push her away from the situation. And just as the video is about to end, you see this black girl, another African American female, pop into the picture and just start busting off shots in that direction. And I don't know what the outcome was, but you know, again, it's sad to me to see this happening where people just, the first thing, whenever the trouble comes, they want to pick up a gun. You know, life is a lot more precious than that. We got to stop killing each other um, senselessly. You know, there was a situation where, and it's not just, you know, within the community. It's also with law enforcement too. As you know, Kim Potter got convicted, right? And then there's a whole bunch of police shootings happening in California, LA. And there was one shooting that happened where a 14-year-old girl ended up dying in her mother's arms in a dressing room at a store because police was firing at a guy who they thought had a gun but didn't have a gun. And just started just blasting off at him. And this 14-year-old girl lost her life. And so that's where qualified immunity, like I said on my year in review, qualified immunity in the Peace Act really needs to be put in place and stop being blocked and hold these officers accountable because you just snuffed out a 14-year-old girl's life who had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on with your incident. She was innocent. She was in a dressing room trying on clothes, minding her business and trying on clothes, and your bullet from your issued service weapon killed her. Fired, indicted, whatever you want to call it, and hell responsible for that. It's reckless. You know, law enforcement has responsibilities and procedures they must follow. You can't just go, this ain't TV where you can just go bucking off anywhere you please. You got to think about when you shoot that bullet, you can't pull it back. Where's that bullet going to land? It's like, you know, these people out here in the streets deciding to shoot, kill each other. You know, murders are up across the country in different areas of the country. Murders are up. Young Dolph was just gunned down outside of a store. You know, people rolled up on him, shot him down. I mean, just this—this this stuff has to stop. You know, this stuff has to stop. And my thing is this: until leadership at the top decides to do something, until we find our moral compass back again. Until we find some sort of inner peace, whether it be through a relationship with uh, 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 God or whatever your preference is, if you are Muslim, Allah, or you know whoever you find is a spiritual deity that you, that you, you, you turn to, uh, we got to find some peace. You got to find that peace within them and, and then apply that peace and those principles to the world we live in. You know, as long as people keep getting rich, they're not gonna care about these deaths, even though these deaths are six to six to thirty-six degree separation from them. If they want guns to stop, they can make guns stop. If they want drugs to stop, you can make drugs stop. But somebody's profiting from it somewhere. Somebody's profiting off of deaths that are happening in these communities. Because these deaths, typically in, in low income communities, are typically the result of some sort of illegal activity that somebody's benefiting from on the backside. Whether it be guns, whether it be drugs, whether it be creating these quote-unquote ghettos, somebody on the backside is benefiting from a ghetto being a a ghetto. Somebody's benefiting from it. It's like somebody's benefiting from guns showing up in neighborhoods illegally and taking people out people have been somebody's benefiting from that somebody from some somewhere along the food chain when that gun is purchased is getting a cut of what that purchase price is so we just got to find our find our way back for me I follow Christ and I try to apply those principles and a lot of people are skeptical about that and skeptical about you know Christ is skeptical about his origins skeptical about the bible you know everybody has something to say about you know the Bible or the Quran or the missing books of the Bible, as they say, or whatever the case may be. Everybody has a lot to say about them, but does anybody really take the time out to really follow the principles? Folks will sit up here and say, Well, you know, the Bible is hypocritical, and one in the Old Testament it says this, but in the New Testament it says that, right? Okay, well. You know, you got gospels, you got laws, you got all these things. And then the Bible has a lot of stories in it. It's telling you, it's a, it's a storybook you know, in, in a lot of instances. But it also has a lot of principles in Psalms and Proverbs, you know, um, that we can follow. You know, there's lessons, you know, Ecclesiastes, you know, Solomon's, you know, I call it the regrettable diary that he wrote. You know, he went on to do all these great things. He was a great king and all that. But then he wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote Proverbs and all the wisdom of Proverbs. And then he turned around and wrote Ecclesiastes and was like, everything we're doing is just chasing after the wind. We're just chasing after the wind. And it was his book of regret. And so, you know, you can take these principles and just apply them as best you can to do good. Yeah, a lot of them you don't agree with. I often wonder (laughs) why we don't hear a lot of sermons coming from the book of Leviticus. That's one of the hardest books in the Bible. There's no cut cards, off with your head, cut you down. You ain't supposed to do this, you ain't supposed to do that. You know, all these things. We don't hear too too many sermons based on Leviticus. And then, you know, that's that's questionable. But regardless of that, there's still principles throughout the whole 66 books of the Bible that we can apply. There's still principles even in the Quran that can be, for those who follow the Quran, that can be applied to do good. You know? Why can't we just do good and be good in the world? You know? Instead of all this craziness, this violence and greed and capitalism and murder and all these things, just be good. Just be good people. Yes, you got to have your head on a swivel because, you know, you can't. Not everybody in the world is good, and we know that. Everybody's operating off of free will. We know that. But try to live your life as best you can. You know? In 2022, your destiny is in your control. How you learn is in your control. You know, learning in the brain is not a finite thing. Your brain is a supercomputer. And you can learn. You can learn how to do something different with your life. You can learn how to a, a new skill or a new trade or something that you can do different with your life as opposed to what you're doing that's not right. And I'm not saying people, you know, everybody's circumstance is different. You know, people are facing poverty and and things of that nature. But as long as you got a working brain in your head and you can believe in yourself and believe in what that brain is capable of, everybody has a chance. It may take longer for some. Some people may hit lightning in a bottle overnight. You never know. But you still got to put work in. Because even if you hit lightning in a bottle overnight, you still got to put in the work to stay there, to keep that lightning in a bottle. If your lightning in a bottle is like a lottery ticket, all of a sudden you go from making $80,000 a year or your household income is $100,000 a year to now your household income because you hit the lotto is $20 million a year, right? You still got to put the work in to understand how to, number one, manage that money. Number two, how to psychologically wrap your head around having all that money all of a sudden. But your brain is capable. You can learn. You can read, study. You know? And as you read and study and gain knowledge, just that knowledge will help you become more aware, give you more discernment of what's going on around you. You know, and even if you do hit the lightning in the bottle and go from <laughs> go from broke to millionaire overnight, you know. Everything is not a race. You don't have to race to catch that, 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 that bottle in or that ticket in, so to speak. You don't have to race to all of a sudden Make sure that you know your money's you know in this place and that place and that place and that, that money can sit. You know, I remember reading a story um, about Barbara Cochran. Barbara Cochran is one of the original members of the Shark Tank. You know, along with Damon John and um, the guy from FUBU, Mark Cuban. Um, Robert Kerjavik and um, what's the other guy named Kevin O'Leary I think his name is those are, those are Barbara Cochran's original female the first original female on the Shark Tank and Barbara Cochran built her fortune in real estate um, in New York City or in New York But the Cochran Group she built the Cochran Group from the ground up and eventually ended up selling the Cochran Group for multiple, hundreds of millions of dollars, I think it might have been, 50 million or 100 million or something like that, right? And I remember she did an interview with somebody and somebody asked her, well what's the first thing you did when you got your when you got your millions? She said the first thing that I did was, I got my millions and I let it sit in the bank until I figured out what it is I need to do with my millions. And she let it, she said she let it sit until she came up with a plan. Number one, she had to psychologically wrap her mind around the fact that she's got all these millions of dollars. That's the first thing. And then, number two, she had to figure out how to manage it. She had to figure out, okay, am I gonna let somebody else manage my money, or i am gonna do it myself? But the one thing she didn't do, she said, she didn't go out and splurge, she said she had to come up with a plan. Yeah, and of course, you know, you do little things, you know, if you come across that lightning in a bottle, um you want to pay off bills and stuff like that yeah that's a given i mean it's no shame in that pay off your bills okay cool but after that come up with a plan come up with a concrete bona fide plan and so what am i going to do next how am i going to manage this what investments who who let me do my research and find out what company or what financial management firm I can go with it's not going to rip me off, it's going to help me manage my money, let me do my own research right, and even if you don't hit lightning in a bottle let's say you put the work in and over time you build your business up or you build what it is you're doing up And 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 as your revenues and your earnings start to go up you start to get into different tax brackets and you're making more and more and more take the time out to learn what you need to do Don't limit yourself. Don't say, well, I don't know what to do because I never had this kind of money before. Right? If you can read, (laughs) then you can learn how to deal with money like that before. But just be patient with it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And as long as you're patient with it, you'll be able to understand. As long as you're patient with it, you'll be able to see. As long as you're patient with it, You'll be able to make the right decisions. You know, reading is fundamental. You know, we often limit ourselves by saying a lot of negative things. I can't learn this way. I can't learn that. Stop self-talking yourself out of what you can and cannot do. It's 2022. We're already, what, two years into a new decade We're already into it the next year, the the second year of this new decade, right? Stop limiting yourself with what it is you can and cannot do, especially when it comes to learning. You know, I'm reading this book that talks about the brain has neuroplasty and has plasticity to it. If you feed it correctly, it will continue to grow. If you don't feed it correctly, it will atrophy. And it won't grow. It'll just be that waxy substance that sits in your head. And as you feed it and it grows, your mind expands. You're able to do more things. But you got to take care of it, though. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. You got to cut down on social media. You got to cut down on a lot of things. You got to feed your mind. And as you feed your mind, things will open up. You know, cut out the self doubt and the self talk. Oh, I can't learn this. This is too hard. Ask yourself, why do you think it's too hard? And think about what you learned up until that point, right? And then think, okay, what's the best way for me to attack this new thing I'm about to learn? Okay, well, let's put the work in. Let's learn it. Let's read. Let's cut down on the distractions. The digital distractions, the pings the notifications that pop up on your devices that you gotta like, you know. One of the things this book I'm reading talked about was a lot of times we suffer from digital depression. (laughs) And the the way way it was described was um, digital depression is when we see the highlight reel of other people on social media, the trips. The expensive clothes, the the highlight reels. We get depressed because our life is not like the highlight reel. Well, how do you know that person's life is really like that for real? A photograph on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook is just a one time shot. It's a still. Right? It's a still. Right? It reminds me, and we've seen this visually, right? Through media. And if you guys remember, there was a commercial that <laughs> it was a credit commercial that came out years ago. There was a gentleman and they showed his life. He had a big house, all this fancy stuff and he was riding his ride along more cutting his grass, talking about he had this, he's got that. And then he finally says, and I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. And that's when the commercial talks about how, you know, you can have everything looking flashy, but you can also be in debt. Right? And so you gotta look at social media and when you see those highlights, say to yourself, It's a highlight, it's a still. You know, you can have someone posting from everywhere that they've been, how you know it's the truly place they've been. And they may have been there, but they got all these drinks held up. They got all these things going on. And do you really know what's happening when they're not posting on social media? So we trick ourselves in believing that they have a better life than we do. In some cases, some people that post on social media actually are living that, right? They're actually living the life that they're posting. And ain't nothing wrong with that. But you got a lot of people on social media that Post a certain lifestyle on social media, but they ain't living it. And whether they living it truly, or they perpetrating for it, or they fronting, we shouldn't get depressed because our life doesn't look like that. Our life is what it is, right? So don't get depressed and jealous over somebody else's highlight life on social media. If we want a life like that, put the work in. Put the work in. Don't sit back and say, I wish I had, or I wish I could do that. Put the work in, so that you can do that. And when you put the work in, do it in silence. You ain't gotta tell everybody about what you're doing. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter six, it talks about when you do charitable deeds, do it in secret. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Right? You don't need to tell anybody what you're doing. Operate in silence. You know, if you get a Tesla, you don't need to put it on social media. To keep it in your garage. Eventually, people will find out you got a Tesla because they'll see you in it. You ain't got to go bragging about it. You ain't got to tell people about it. You worked hard for it. You got a Tesla. You can buy a new house. You ain't got to show it off to the world. People will eventually see it. They'll get the notification or you'll let them know you got a new address. And then when they come to your house, that's when they'll see it. Everything doesn't have to be broadcast, you know? We don't have anything to prove. Shouldn't have anything to prove to anybody. And we shouldn't allow people to tell us our lives or this or that because we're not living a certain lifestyle. We don't have a eight bedroom, eight bathroom house. And even if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't want that kind of house anyway. That's too much, too much room, too many rooms, too much heat, I got a heat. Too much AC, too much, I gotta clean. Give me something simple. Something that'll fit the size that me and my, so there's three of us. Hey, I got a nice home I got now. 2,400 square feet, single car, you know, two car garage, basement, all that. Nice little lot. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I could use a couple extra square feet here and there, but not much. It'd be nice to have a couple extra square feet here and there, but not much. Cause it's, you know it's enough, it's enough, you know, and we have to say what our enough is, otherwise we'll keep chasing otherwise we'll keep feeling envious of people who we think have it going on um and getting into the digital what they call digital depression, wanting a life for ourselves that somebody else has that's their life. we don't know if they made it with honest weights and honest scales and weights or whether or not they rob Peter to pay Paul to get it. We don't know. So, you know, live your life. Know that you can always learn. You can always improve your situation. You just got to put the work in. Take care of yourself mentally and physically and put the work in. That's all. And with that being said, thank you for joining me this week. It's been real. Hope you enjoyed it podcast that I put together so far. If you get the notification, share it with other people. Share it on the, all media social media platforms. Get the word out. I'm on Anchor FM, Anchor.fm, and I'm also on Spotify. My podcast is my thing is this podcast or M T I D. My Thing is This Podcast. I enjoy doing this because I like to talk. You know, my opinion is my opinion alone. Um, Doesn't represent any corporation or anything like that. It's just solely my opinion. And I hope you enjoy it. And so I look forward to 2022, continuing to chat with you guys every Sunday, every week. And hopefully I'll get some more people on. I had Big O, shout out to Big O, O. O.D. Lewis. He was on, one of my guests. Shout out to the guy, the guy that inspired me to start doing podcasts, Kevin Williams, the Six Man. Big up to Six Man, Kevin Williams. Keep doing what you do, breath. And so, just continue to just we just continue to be inspired, and I'll continue to put out this content, whether I get one listener or a hundred thousand listeners. I'm gonna keep on keeping on, because I'm pretty sure somebody's gonna enjoy what I have to say, and say, you know what. My thing is this, man. Just like that dude, Troy Sampson. My thing is this. So, what inspires me to do this? And I may spin off some stuff. You know, I'm a father, a parent of a son living with disabilities, autism, ADHD. And I may spin off something along that lines and do a podcast on that. I got two ladies I work with who are very passionate about um, individuals living with disabilities because they have children of their own that live with disabilities. They sit on a board with me, a special education city, so a council board with me. And I hope to have them on to chop it up with them soon to talk about things going on with our children and education and just, the, just the, the daily grind and daily struggle of being a parent looking after an individual with disabilities because it's not easy it is a challenge um, and I would never tell anybody it's easy because it is a challenge and everybody's situation in home life is different but well, we all share that same goal or that same thing which is caring for our loved ones with disability and we all love them regardless of what they're living with we still love them They are children They are loved ones so we look after them and take care of them and so I may have those ladies on at some point, do a little podcast with those ladies, get them on, maybe do a Zoom podcast with them, get them on and chop it up with them and share that perspective. Uh, they're both PhDs um, in parenting children with disabilities. And I say that about all parents. You know you know your child best, you're the PhD, you're the doctor. You get a PhD in your child. Don't let anybody tell you anything different because you birthed that child, you're raising that child, you care for that child. Yeah, you may send them to school and teachers educate them, but you're the expert still because you're the one they spend the most time with. You're the one that's getting them, you're advocating for them. You're around them. You see the meltdowns. You see the great times and also you see the meltdowns. So, so yeah. So that could be something coming forward in the future. You know, maybe a dad's group, a dad's podcast Something like that. But I look forward to 2022. Let's all seek wisdom and knowledge, love, peace and understanding and never let anybody tell you that you can't and never tell yourself that you can't because you can. Because my thing is this, we're all capable of great things. Thanks for joining me. Peace. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. Be sure to tune in next week Hit the like and subscribe buttons. And then remember, the next time somebody says something suspect, or well, tell them my thing is this. Because your opinion matters. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Have a blessed week, and we are out.